Please take your copy of God's Word. Let's turn together to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, as you know, we've been working our way this summer in this summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and we are almost done. Next week, Mike Malone will be looking at the last of the virtues in the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Uh, and then on the, the first Sunday of August, we'll come back to Genesis. I know at the end of May, we kind of left you on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, and so Genesis chapter 45, God's big reveal will be the first Sunday of August. And we'll finish up Genesis in August. And then Lord willing, first Sunday of September, Labor Day Sunday, we'll be looking beginning in the Gospel of John. Different ways in which John presents to us Jesus the Messiah as the one in whom we are to believe and the one in whom we have eternal life. Uh, but that's all in the future. This morning, we come to uh, the eighth of the nine virtues listed in the fruit of the Spirit, this, this virtue of gentleness. But in order for us to receive all that God has for us this morning in the reading and preaching of God's Word, we need His help. So let's ask Him for it. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, we do come as your people this morning, and we desire to hear from you in the reading and preaching of Holy Scripture, because we know that in the preaching of the Word of God, there is the Word of God. And so, Lord, please, we pray that your Spirit would help us. Holy Spirit, we pray, open our eyes of faith, that we might see glorious riches in this portion of your Gospel. We pray of all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Galatians chapter 5, then beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't know if you notice back in 2019, which, let's be honest, anything before the pandemic is like ancient history, like it didn't hardly happen, it was a long time ago. But back in 2019, it really was the year of Mr. Rogers. That's right, Fred Rogers, the, the Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Not only were there two full-length biographies that were published in that year about Mr. Rogers and a number of magazine articles and, and other books, but there were actually two full-length movies about him. One, a prize-winning documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And the other, a feature film starring Tom Hanks called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And as all of these different books and magazine articles and movies came out in 2019, the question was, why? Why so much attention paid to a television personality who had died 16 years before in 2003? Well, that, that was the question that, that journalists and pundits kept asking, that kept trying to answer during that year of Mr. Rogers. Why do we need Mr. Rogers now? And the answer that they gave really revolved around three words that kept coming up over and over again. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness. In a culture that's become profoundly uncivil, we 
desperately need kindness. In a culture that's become increasingly corrupt, where we, we struggle to see any signs of hope, we, we long for goodness. And in a culture that's become profoundly angry and harsh, we long for gentleness. And, and people saw those things in Mr. Rogers. People saw in Mr. Rogers kindness, goodness, and gentleness. But here's the thing, y'all. I mean, those, those three words, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, we've been looking at them all summer. Week after week, as we've gone through the summer, as the different pastors have been preaching the, on the fruit of the Spirit, we read these verses, and we've heard those words of kindness, goodness, and gentleness. They're right here in the text. They're part of the fruit that, that God the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a believer, which means that, that those around us don't need simply to point at one man to see kindness, goodness, and gentleness. They should be able to look all around them at us. They should see kindness, goodness, and gentleness in us, do they? Do people say, oh, this is why we need Sean Lucas now. This is why we need you now. Put your name in it. Especially when it comes to gentleness. Uh, when we look around our culture, gentleness is not the word that would typify most of our relationships. Gentleness feels soft, weak, malleable, even somewhat naive. We, we worry, don't we, that if we are gentle, that we'll be taken advantage of, that we'll be abused and put down, that, that we won't be heard. And so we really don't want gentleness for ourselves. And to be truthful, we don't really want gentle leaders. We want tough, rugged, hard-nosed men and women, brassy and brash, even a little politically incorrect. Someone, someone who can go into a situation like, you remember the sheriff from the 1970s show, Walking Tall, Bruf, uh, Buford Husser? He'd walk in with that, with that two by four, ready to use it. That's the kind of leader we want, not, not someone who's gentle. And so while we might want or desire the other virtues that Paul describes here, as the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and even self-control, as we'll hear next week. Gentleness? Eh, not so much. But here's the thing. If you and I do not have this fruit of gentleness, this virtue of gentleness growing in our characters, I want to suggest to you this morning, we have not been fully embraced by, nor have we fully embraced, Jesus. If we don't have this virtue of gentleness growing in us so that we and others can see some mark of it, let me say it again, we have not been grasped by, nor have we grasped Jesus, because Jesus is gentle. Jesus shows up with tenderness and compassion. And Jesus transforms us into the kind of people who are gentle and tender 
and compassionate too, which means if we are not gentle, if we don't see the marks of that gentleness and tenderness and compassion in our character, we've not yet been grasped by Jesus, nor has Jesus grasped us, because this is who Jesus is. Jesus is gentle. That's the point that my friend Dane Ortland made in his brilliant book that came out about a year and a half ago called Gentle and Lowly. He observes there that there's only one place in the Gospels where Jesus tells us about his heart. And that's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. There Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. What did Jesus say? I am gentle in heart. In other words, my heart, the very core, the very animating center of who I am, if you were to boil me down so that you got me to my very basic components, this is who I am, Jesus says. I am gentle. The word there in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, that the Bible versions, whether the NIV or the ESV or the other Bible versions, translate as gentle, that, that, that Greek word is actually used three other times in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Matthew 21, verse 5, 1 Peter 3, verse 4. And our Bible translators use words like meek and humble and gentle to translate that word in other places. And so when Jesus wants to tell you who he is, what's at the very core of, of his character, of his, of his being, what his heart truly is, what does he say? He says, I'm gentle. I am meek. I am humble in heart. As my friend Dane puts it, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to Jesus is not the pointed finger, but open arms. So when the Apostle Paul here in Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, he's telling us that the Spirit inculcates in us the very heart of Jesus. The way Jesus really is. Jesus is gentle, and the Spirit gentles us too. Now, if, if this is who Jesus is, if Jesus is gentle, well, what does he give? Well, generally speaking, to those who come to him in sincerity, even if they're seeking, even if they're just trying to explore who he is, even if they're not fully committed to him yet, Jesus, the gentle one, gives compassion and tenderness. Now, there are countless examples of that in the Gospels. I'm just going to mention two this morning. First, think about the, the young man we call the rich young ruler. His story is incredibly important. It shows up in each of the so-called synoptic Gospels. It's in Matthew 19, Mark chapter 10, and then again in Luke 18. And that repetition, I think, suggests that, that the Gospel writers think this is a really important scene for telling us something about Jesus. As you know, that, that young ruler comes with an honest question. He asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Of course, Jesus gently prods the young man to 
to rethink his categories of what true goodness involves. And, and then he directs him to God's law, perhaps, I think, to try to show him that maybe he's not so good as he thinks. But in response to Jesus' first answer, the young ruler says, Now, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, if we were Jesus, where this young man comes, even with an honest question, expecting an honest answer, and, and we were gracious to help him try to rethink what true goodness is, and then uh, we actually asked him a question that should have made him reflect further on the fact he's not very good, and, and he comes up with this answer, well, you know, all these I've kept since I was a boy, how would we have responded? I'll tell you how I would have responded. I would have rolled my eyes and said, really? You don't want to walk that back? Or perhaps we would have given him some kind of snarky comment, some kind of sarcasm, or even a withering look. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? What does Jesus do? Well, he tells him one thing you lack. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come, follow me. He, he invites him into relationship with himself. But there's one, there's one little tidbit that the Gospel of Mark records, unique among the three Gospel writers. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Yes, Jesus gave an honest answer to an honest question. But it, was a, it wasn't something that was meant to trip him up. It wasn't some kind of impossible demand. No, it was actually an invitation into his heart. It's because he was tender and compassionate. And beca because he loved him that he said, come follow me. Come into relationship with me. Far from being harsh or snarky or sarcastic or unkind, Jesus went right to this man's heart and invites him into his love because he loved him. He treated him with gentleness and tenderness and compassion. Second example. Think about the, the woman who was sitting by the well in Samaria in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, when you read it, tells you that Jesus intentionally went to Samaria, intentionally went to seek out this woman. John 4, 4 says that Jesus had to go there. And why did he have to go there? To seek out this woman and doing so, he crossed all sorts of boundaries. He's a Jew talking to a Samaritan. He's a man and especially a rabbi talking to a woman. He is a moral man talking to someone who is profoundly immoral. And yet, throughout the conversation with this woman, even in the truth-telling about her wayward life, Jesus deals with that woman, as you know, compassionately, tenderly. He's inviting that woman that wayward woman into relationship with him, offering her the gift of life, the gift of the spirit, offering her true worship, offering her hope. Now you and I, if we, if we saw a woman like that, who is a racial and religious and moral other, how would we have treated her? Well, we would have certainly seen her as someone to avoid, if not simply to avoid, maybe even to slander and gossip about, well, did you see? Oh my word, I can't believe. Oh. But Jesus doesn't do that. No, 
Jesus showed her compassion and tenderness. That's what he gives. And it's because he is someone who is gentle. That is his heart. Of course, Jesus doesn't simply show gentleness and tenderness and compassion to people in Bible times. No, friend, he's done that to you and for you. He, he shows you compassion. He shows you tenderness. After all, you and I, all too often, we're like the rich young ruler, aren't we? We're convinced that if we just think right and speak right and live right and do better, then we will gain God's blessing. And at other times, you and I, we're, we're like the woman at the well. We're convinced that we're such a mess, we're such an outcast, we've ruined it all, that we'll never gain God's blessing. But friend, whether you are a moralist or a misfit, whether you are a law keeper or a loose liver, Jesus gives you tenderness and compassion. He's not pointing the finger at you. He's, he's got open arms welcoming you to his very heart to know him as he is, to know and enter into his love. He looks at you this morning, not with glaring, withering eyes. No, he looks at you this morning with love in his eyes, with welcome in his arms. And he says, come know me. And I'll give you soul rest. That's what he says in, in Matthew 11, isn't it? Take my yoke upon me and upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest from your moralism. Rest from your misfittedness. Rest from your law-keeping. Rest from your loose living. Jesus will give you that which your soul craves, which is rest. And it's because Jesus Christ is gentle. He is gentle. And he gives compassion and tenderness to those who seek him. Now, if this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus gives then Jesus intends to transform you and me so that we might live just the same way. How are we to live? Well, well Paul's describing here the, the character of those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, transforming them, producing his fruits. And he tells us that just as Jesus is gentle and just as Jesus treats others and gives to others compassion and tenderness, so should we. That's how we live. And that's particularly the case for leaders. The Greek word that uh, is used here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, for gentleness is used 10 other times in the New Testament. And several times it's actually used as a characteristic for leaders in Jesus' church. For example, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, describing how he's approaching the Corinthians, he says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. And again, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, 
keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior may be ashamed of their slander. Did you hear it? Over and again, these leaders were described as or challenged to be gentle, and especially in times of opposition. That's especially when gentleness, the gentleness of a leader, should come through. Not, not quarrelsome, but gentle. With gentleness, I make my appeal. With gentleness, I give an answer. I wonder. I, I wonder if, if those are the kinds of leaders we, we value. Those are the kinds of leaders we look for. The kinds of leaders we prize. Those who are gentle. Who, when they are opposed, don't give a snarky answer or a harsh reply. Don't sit down at a keyboard to pound out some kind of response and flame somebody. But they're, they're gentle. They're tender and compassionate. I wonder about our elders and deacons who are here this morning. Those of you who are leaders in the women of the church. Is this the kind of leader you want to be? A leader that's not quarrelsome, that demands their own way. I'm right, you're wrong, I've got to be in control, I've got to be charged. No, gentle, not quarrelsome, gentle. Able to teach, able to instruct, but gentle. Gentle in making an appeal, gentle in giving an answer. Is that the kind of leader you are, you want to be? If, are there signs and evidences that in fact that character is coming through? Could it be that for far too long we have prized leaders who are harsh and brassy and bold and even a little incorrect? They're able to fight. But have missed out at the very heart of who Jesus is. Jesus is gentle and his leaders are to be as well. But not just leaders. No, no gentleness is not just a fruit, a, a, a virtue, a, something in our characters just for leaders. It's all believers are called to this very heart of Jesus. Well, it's clear from the New Testament. We're all to embrace gentleness as a virtue to live out with each other. For example, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, Paul speaking to Titus about what he's supposed to preach and teach. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Of course, this makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if we remember that this is Jesus' own heart, he is gentle in heart. He shows us tenderness and compassion. And so it makes sense, doesn't it, for us to be gentle. For us to clothe ourselves with gentleness. To always be gentle towards everyone and so extend tenderness and compassion to each other. So what does that look like? What, what does it look like for us as believers in Jesus to be gentle with each other? Well, it looks like not sitting down at the keyboard to pound out a letter or an email that slanders or ridicules or imputes the worst of motives. Instead, it looks like showing compassion and show, assuming the best and moving towards the other person in kindness. That's what Jesus does. It looks like not twisting the screws on someone so that 
So they come to my point of view, insisting that my way, my viewpoint, that's the right one. And so I'm going to keep twisting the screws down until you finally say mercy. Instead, it looks like being willing to let love cover whatever the misunderstanding is. And remembering that the other person might actually have insight into this matter as well. We're brothers and sisters working on this together. It looks like not responding with snark or sarcasm, with, with biting humor and, or cynical cuts. Instead, it looks like active listening, loving truth-telling, a willingness to let God get his way instead of me getting my way. I wonder how our relationships would change with each other in our families, here in our church, with our colleagues at work, in the community? How would our relationships change if people knew us, you and me, to be gentle? If our hearts were gentle and humble, if our hearts were compassionate and tender? Would the world around us, would, would they, as they are thinking and as they are wondering and pondering, how do we meet this cultural moment? Would they, would they look at you? And start thinking and saying and writing, oh, this is why we need you now. Just like they wrote in 2019 of Mr. Rogers, this is why we need you now. Because when we want to see kindness and goodness and above all gentleness, the very gentleness of Jesus, we can look at, we can look at you. And you are the example of Jesus' own heart to the world. I trust, that, I trust that they will. Because the Jesus who has grasped us and whom we have grasped by faith, he's the one who said, I am gentle in heart. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, we do confess this morning that all too often we are not gentle. Our first reaction is anger and rage and division and harshness and unkindness. Lord, have mercy on us. And yet you already have. We've already heard in the assurance of pardon that you are a God who is rich in mercy. We've already heard this morning that you are gentle towards us, compassionate and tender. You know us completely inside and out. And yet you continue to pursue us. And you continue to show us mercy. Thank you for being our friend, Lord Jesus. The only friend that we really need in this world. Because you are the one who is a friend of sinners. And who shows compassion and tenderness and gentleness to sinners like us. We bless you and praise you this day. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.